Support for OPB comes from our members and from our sponsors, like Tracy Ray from the employment law firm of Baron Lehman. Tracy says that OPB sponsorship is a great way to support the community and connect with Baron Liebman's clients. This is Think Out Loud on OPB. I'm Dave Miller. The new Oregon children's theater play Spider centers on teens struggling with the numbing effects of social media, pervasive gun violence, and the confusing interplay of online and offline life. OCT commissioned Madeline Adrians to write the play. Adrians got involved with the theater when she was just eight years old. She took her first playwriting class when she was a high school freshman at St. Mary's Academy. She is now a senior at Brown University. Spider opens tomorrow and runs through November 5th. Madeline Adrians joins us now to talk about it. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. So when Oregon Children's Theater commissioned the play, they, my understanding is they didn't tell you what to write about. What were the parameters? The parameters were for me to write a play with about six or more characters that could be performed by the YPs and that would be drawn from uh, conversations uh, had with the YPs about what they were interested in exploring. Who are the YPs? So, yeah, the YPs are the uh, members of the Young Professionals Company, which is a professional training company for teens who are in uh, high school age. Okay, so you had to meet with them, or, or maybe I can say you got to meet with them yeah. to talk about what what they issues they wanted covered. I mean, what were th- what was that first meeting like? Yeah, so I came into the meeting with some things I was curious about exploring in this piece. Um, So at the time, I was myself dealing with a lot of um, frustration and um, kind of despair, honestly, about my own addiction to social media. And so I asked them a lot about their experiences with that. Um, And so we ended up talking a lot about that. But then that meeting also happened to fall two days after the Uvalde shooting in May 2022. And so I remember one of the YPs talking about how after the Parkland shooting in 2018, they felt very galvanized and hopeful that, um, you know, young people were going to change gun laws, but that after Uvalde, they just felt numb because it's happened so many more times and nothing's happened about it. And so it was that conversation that injected gun violence into the play that you ended up writing? Yeah, I mean, I would say we mostly talked about the social media thing, but actually when I went to write it, I because it was so close to my own experience, I kind of found it difficult to uh, tackle it in a creative way. So um, I ended up writing about those issues through looking at um, younger kids who are addicted to YouTube and the kind of weird world of the people on YouTube kids trying to please the YouTube algorithm and get uh, kids to click on it. Um, and then, yeah, the, that comment, I think, really stuck with me, uh, the comment about gun violence. And then on a personal level, I was just also haunted by it. So I that's how it ended up in the play. You graduated from high school from St. Mary's in Portland in 2019. How much separation do you feel generation-wise from the the young people that you were working with, that the young people who are now in your play? I mean, it's not that many years. I, I, I can say I say this as a perspective of somebody who's, who's zeroing in on, on 50, but I'm wondering if you actually, if you feel those years in a in a more forceful way, the, the age difference. Yeah, I yeah, you're right that I'm really not that much older than them. Um, we actually uh, sometimes understand the same like fine references um, in rehearsal. Um, but actually, I do remember in that first meeting, uh, feeling like this really weird disconnect where they were talking about um, their own experiences 
like on Instagram in middle school and like the things that they would post, the amount of scrutiny they got, I was like, oh, wow, Instagram was a much different place when I was in middle school. And that was really weird to think that I'm not that much older than them. And there's already the world, the online world has already changed so much. In four years or five years. Mm -hmm. Um, You mentioned um, in just in passing just now, a a video. um, And there's a video that two of the main characters in your play make at the very beginning that then gets sort of threaded through and thematically it's, it, it comes and goes. It's pretty important. My understanding is it's based on a real video or a real kind of video that was wildly popular on YouTube not too long ago that I'd never heard of and, and my guess is a lot of listeners won't be familiar with. Can you describe the real video that was one of the um, the reasons you want to make this play to begin with? Yeah, so I was I, I was watching this TED Talk and I read this article about these strange videos on YouTube Kids. And I remember one of the videos that was used in this TED Talk, um, I think by James Bridal, I believe is his name. Um, and one of the videos that he used was like these two grown men and one of them is dressed as Spider-Man and one of them is dressed as a baby. So he's like wearing a diaper and like this weird baby mask and they're on the beach and like the baby is just burying Spider-Man in sand. And the title is like Angry Baby Buried Alive Spider-Man with Elsa Cat woman fun so it's like full of all these um clickbait keywords uh, to kind of get the algorithm and so i th- i for some reason i was just haunted by this video because it was so bizarre and some of the videos um that are that are of that of that ilk are actually really disturbing like car- cartoon characters being like killed or like graphic things happening but this one was just weird and it just really got me thinking um why are these people making this? Uh, what are the circumstances under which this feels like a logical use of your time? And I, <laughs> um, and I was just, I kind of wrote the scene of, I wanted to write the scene of them making that video just to figure that out for myself. And then that became the first scene of the play and kind of inspired that storyline. Hmm. One of the turning points in the play, at least that's how I read it, is a kind of vision that this eight-year-old character Um, named Layla has. It's a kind of mystical monologue about social media. Can you describe the message that she receives and then gives to the audience? Oh, God, I'm, I don't want to spoil it. Um, <laughs> If you could do it in a way yeah. that, that doesn't spoil it. I mean, I'm, try, yeah. I'm trying to be careful about because there are obviously there, there's there's plot that happens that and in some ways is, the monologue is contingent on that. But it also it, yeah. it feels like It's a broader message that that you maybe maybe I'm wrong about this, but that you wanted to give to the audience. Yeah, I think yeah, I've sometimes thought that that monologue is the reason the play exists. Mm. Like I just wanted to let this eight year old tell us all. Um, she kind of sees her future and she sees a lot of stuff, and but she really I think she really sees the consequences of uh, how her brain has been shaped by um, kind of being addicted to just watching her screen. Um, and she kind of tells us like, you know, you did this. Um, and these are the consequences of that. And, um, yeah. And I, I think, I hope that monologue, uh, I hope people listen to that monologue. Yeah. I hope people like reckon with it. How would you describe your own relationship with social media now? Ah, uh, it's, it's hard. Um, I, I still use it. I, I come back to it. I think, Be for the because it is a way to connect with people, and that's something I heard from the YPs too. That it's like 
especially over the pandemic, it was like the only way to connect with people. Um, but the, the it's really bad for me. Like I every time I post anything, I get so stressed. I I'd find myself scrolling, um, and it's hard because I, um, on a personal level, I, I, I keep trying to kind of have a better relationship to it. But then I'm also just so cognizant that you know these super powerful companies have put all the resources toward uh, programming their apps to um, make sure people spend as much time on it as possible. It's really just really hard to fight against that. Did working on this play change your relationship with social media or crystallize something for you? Um, I think it definitely like, yeah, I think it definitely expressed how I was feeling. I don't know. It's, I don't think it necessarily writing the play itself meaningfully changes that relationship. Cause like I've said, I feel like I've tried to change that relationship to social media for so long and I just keep coming back to it. But, um, it definitely gave me an outlet to think about it. And I think it was, it was cool to, to see the parallels between my own experience and then, you know, like this eight year old character and, to kind of feel less alone in that. Hmm. So I want to go back to the process. You you had some meetings with these YPs, the the actors in this young professionals company, and then what followed? I mean, did, did those conversations continue, or was it you alone crafting a play? Yeah. So after that first conversation, I. Um, wrote the first draft, and then I sent that to Matt Zerbsky, who's the director and dramaturg of the show and who helps me develop it. Um, and I sent that to him in about June after the meeting in May. And then I sent another draft to him in August. And then I sent the YPs a draft in October. And then uh, they all read that. And then we had a meeting to discuss it in November so they could give me their feedback. Um, and then based on that feedback, I wrote another draft and we had another similar meeting. And then after that, I wrote a couple more drafts and now yeah. we're here. Um, what was it like to get feedback from the both participants slash maybe intended audience? It was really helpful. Um, I think it was reassuring in a lot of ways. Like, for example, one of the characters is non-binary um, and I don't, that's not my experience. And so I was really worried and I, or I was really uh, wanting to get that right. And so it was really nice in that, in that first meeting to have a student say, you know, I, oh, I'm non-binary. I love this character and they feel so real and rich. Um, so that was like really helpful and, and reassuring in that way. And then, yeah, it was good to know that it, that it was resonating. That was a good, uh, because that was kind of the point is to have something that they would resonate with. So that was good to get that feedback along the way. And then in the, I also had meetings just with Matt and then Oliver, our student assistant uh, director and dramaturg. And then those meetings were much more focused, you know, just on like the craft of the story. And those were also super helpful. And Oliver's an amazing collaborator mm. and Matt. Yeah. If you're just tuning in, we're talking right now about the new Oregon Children's Theater play Spider. It opens tomorrow night. Playwright Madeline Adrians is with us. You mentioned Matt, who my understanding is he was a former mentor and, and, and teacher for you. And now it seems like you're you're more like collaborators. What has that been like? Yeah, it's been really cool. Yeah, I think the mentor relationship that we have has been really helpful in this process because he knows my work so well and we have this really strong foundation of trust. Um, so uh, that gives us the shorthand um, where he can kind of he kind of knows what I'm trying to do. Um, but then also he's you know, he's just an incredible director on his own and he can really um, I feel like I've just continued to learn so much from him on, you know, how to structure a story and um, how to clarify and refine it. Um, and so, yeah, it's been really cool to shift into this sort of more uh, 
relationship of of creative equals. Hmm. After all of the writing and editing that you described, at some point, the all the actors actually got at, at a table or eventually on stage, and and read this for the first time. What was it like for you to hear your words coming out of, you know, the actors' mouths? Yeah, it was really cool. So I the, I actually had never heard the play out loud in full until that first rehearsal, which is actually pretty unusual for a new play process. Usually, usually there's a bit more development. But um, people, and Matt especially, was like reassuring me that the script was in really good shape. Um, and so, yeah, hearing it out loud in the rehearsal room that first time was really cool. And it was also just a lot emotionally because I had had to really reckon with the darkness of the piece, which it's funny because afterward I was like, oh, my God, this is so dark. And people were like, you wrote it. Like, how did you not know? But I think um, hearing it read out loud to you by some really, really talented actors who can, you know, really bringing the characters to life uh, just showed it to me in a new way. Hmm. I mean, I, I mentioned uh, in my intro the themes. I mean, school shooting, uh, the pervasive, in some ways, destructive social media, just the, the, the extremely online life. Without going to the details of the plot, um, it, it is, this is not a light piece. No. How did you think about, how do you now think about the toll that this could take on the actors? Yeah, I think that was something that I definitely thought about. But I also, when I wrote this, I really wanted to give them the chance to learn how to tackle really challenging roles and really intense materials in this environment where they're so supported. And uh, pe- uh, I mean, Danny Baldwin, who's the artistic director of the Young Professionals Company, and everyone at OCT, is, they're just the kindest people and they really want the best for these kids. Um, and really want them to grow in their craft. Um, and so I knew that it would be a really powerful opportunity for them to learn how to, um, how to, how to, you know, commit to telling a story on stage and then leave it behind. You know, that's a, just a skill that you need to have as an actor. And uh, there's no, I thought there was no better place to learn that in this environment where um, everyone would be supporting them through that, which is just often not the case in the professional world, unfortunately. But yeah. yeah. I suppose it's also the case that, I mean, the reason you wrote this play is that all these issues are real life issues that that every young person and and many people who are no longer young deal with on a daily basis. This is this is our collective world. It's not like you're telling these actors something about the world that they don't already know about. Yeah. <clears throat> you, as I mentioned at the beginning, you 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 first got involved with OCT when you were eight years old. Yeah. Was that as an actor? Yeah, I, I was taking classes, yeah. What made you think I want to get involved in writing plays or in directing them? Yeah, I think that um, I took my first playwriting class as a freshman because I'd always liked writing. I just always enjoyed it. And and then I'd also had this theater background and also really enjoyed theater. So I kind of thought, why? let's see if I can put them together. Um, and then in that class, I just remember I loved the environment of a writing workshop where people are bringing in pages and we're reading them out loud. It just felt so exciting. And I was like, oh, this is something I want to keep doing. And you've kept doing it. Yeah. What's kept you going? Um, I think that just that same feeling of excitement. Um, I it, Yeah, I just... I. I don't know. I just yeah, I love it so much, and I think there's also something really powerful about um, telling stories on a stage in a world where 
our dominant form of storytelling is film, is visual. Um, and I remember in that first playwriting class, Matt told us, you know, because people, we're all trained to interpret, you know, TV and movies. We're really good at that because we watch so much of that. So when you're writing a play, you have to figure out how to make it something that can only be told on a stage. Um, and I think that that ethos has really carried through to how I wrote this play and that, um, if you wrote down the events of the plot of Spider, it would you know, seem like this kind of realistic thing that you could see on a TV show maybe. But then the way that it's actually told is that you have one character talking to another and then all of a sudden one of the characters is suddenly playing a different character of a you know, different age, different gender. Um, and that's something that can only really happen on the stage. And it's not something that, can, that is commented on in the world of the play. It's just how it's being told. Um, yeah. Right, just so for example... Um one of the actors, uh, the, the, at one point, two 17 or 18-year-old boys are talking to each other, friends, and then one of them mentions uh, his mother. I think I'm getting this right. And then all of a sudden, he becomes his mother or maybe his 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 sibling. Mm -hmm. And then they just, it's sort of seamless. They, then yeah. they go on from that, and then eventually they, they turn back to the character they had been before. Mm -hmm. It seems to ask a lot of actors, what's the challenge for the actors in this play? Yeah, I think there was a, a challenge in figuring out how to really create each character um, because then the way that the doubling happens over the play also shifts and there's moments where... Um, a character like isn't their original character for a long time um and i think the challenge is just really figuring out how to truthfully um inhabit the circumstances of you know someone whose experience is very different from yours like for example you mentioned like one of the uh, teenage boys suddenly playing a younger kid um but then also other um other characters play uh, like their own parents, and that was also something that I remember we talked about in rehearsals. That was there's just a moment at the end that is just honestly hard for a teenager to play with their life experience because they're playing a parent in this very particular situation. Um, but I think it was a really cool challenge for the actors. You know, it's interesting that you mentioned um, that even early on when you started playwriting, um, you got this um, this bit of advice that you you have to. Think about your audience as being steeped in visual culture um, and, and think about what can you do on a play that, that belongs on, on a stage. It seems like one of the things you've, you've ended up doing in this particular play is, is do a critique of that screen culture that, that mm -hmm. we are all yeah. enmeshed in. I mean, how, how conscious was that? Obviously, it's consciously a, an exploration and critique of screen culture broadly but but how conscious was it to, to have that be a part of a theater work yeah that was something I thought about at the beginning of like how do we see this video that the characters are making because it comes up so much and like how do we actually interpret it and in the end like it yeah it just didn't it, it didn't feel very live to like actually show it or like um, it didn't feel very like the most interesting way to to show that theatrically um, and yeah, I mean, I would say that I don't I don't think there's necessarily anything inherently wrong with screens themselves. But um, I think what there um, I, I do think that there is something uh, pretty dark about the way that we're all uh, trained to use them uh, all the time, constantly and uh, at the, often at the expense of our real live connection with other people. You're going to be graduating from Brown with a degree in playwriting this spring. What are your plans? What are your hopes? Yeah, I mean, I, I hope I can keep writing plays. Um, 
I'm really interested in uh, exploring different models of theater. I feel very familiar with this, you know, playwright director um, model where, you know, someone writes a play, someone interprets it, you get actors, but I'm really interested in exploring devised theater, which is much less um, hierarchical and it's more of like a group creation process. So I'm just interested in continuing to explore theater and maybe in other places. Madeline, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Madeline Adriance is the playwright of Spider, which opens tomorrow at Oregon Children's Theater and runs through November 5th. Tomorrow on the show, Oregon's Warm Line is a service people can call when they're not in a crisis but need support or appear to talk to. Its future is now at risk because of funding. We'll talk about the line and what it might take to keep it going. Our production staff includes Elizabeth Castillo, Roli Hernandez, Gemma DiCarlo, senior producer Allison Frost, and managing producer Shiraz Sadiq. Nalene Silva engineers the show. Our technical director is Stephen Cray, and our executive producer is Sage Van Wing. If you don't want to miss any of our shows, you can listen on NPR's app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you like to get your podcasts. Our nightly rebroadcast is at 8 p.m. Thanks very much for tuning in to Think Out Loud on OPB and KLCC. I'm Dave Miller. We'll be back tomorrow. Think Out Loud is supported by Steve and Jan Oliva, the Rose E. Tucker Charitable Trust, Ray and Marilyn Johnson, and the Susan Hammer Fund of the Oregon Community Foundation. Members make Think Out Loud and all of OPB's independent journalism possible. Support the next fascinating story and join in as a sustainer at opb.org pod.